Hello, welcome ladies and germ germaphobes. This is the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast. If you're a dentist, this is all things self-improvement for dentistry with the sole goal of surviving dentistry. Dentistry is not a bad career. However, it's a very demanding career. And I'm just now finding out after a decade of practicing, if you don't do it right, physically, mentally, relationships, financially, this career will destroy you. However, if you do it right, which I'm here with you trying to figure out how to do it right, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm going out to the experts to find out what we can do together to survive this career. I think it can be a good career. Today I have, who's becoming a good friend of mine, Stefano DiBella. I called him trying to impress him with how Italian I was just to find out that although he was born in Venezuela, he is much more Italian than I am. So I was quickly looked like an idiot. Anyway, I'm recording the intro before the podcast. We're going to talk about how to get healthy. The main reason I reached out to him, because in his tagline on Instagram, it says, helping professionals how to get healthy, lose weight, have more energy. So I think the foundational question I'm going to ask him is, when you're not feeling great, where do you start and how do you build a good foundation of health to live a happy and healthy life? Guys, thank you so much for listening. This podcast is truly my passion and I can only grow it with you guys. Thanks again. See you guys soon. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You keep paying on your debts like mortgages, car notes, student and business loans, but they never seem to disappear. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, former dentist, now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I guide families and business owners through a simple system to dramatically reduce your payment towards debt. You keep your same lifestyle and keep more money each month. A recent client will pay off their house in just seven months instead of the anticipated 20 years. Free 10-minute discovery call will determine if I can help you too. Go to CashflowCoachUSA.com, scan the QR code, or call 512-608-1020 to find financial freedom faster. Are you tired of using ineffective cosmetics and personal care products filled with harmful chemicals? Meet Ancestral Cosmetics and our range of highly effective products rooted in ancestral wisdom and made with edible ingredients such as beef tallow, olive oil, and raw local honey. Check out our best-selling tallow and honey balm for soft and smooth skin or our revolutionary tooth powder made from eggshells for effective teeth cleaning and whitening without any toxic ingredients. Free US shipping for orders over $50 and you can shop now at ancestralcosmetics.com. Man. Stefano, how hot is it in Florida? Too hot. Too hot. Too hot for some people, not for me though. I've yeah. been uh yeah, this this time of year I I definitely practice um the right diet to just kind of keep from getting, you know, um raising my body temperature to that degree. So I don't eat very late and I make sure to keep the alcohol consumption down. So, but yes, right now, at least last time I checked, let's see, it was 93 and it felt like 105, 107, something like that. So it's hot. So more importantly, who is the guy that dictates feels like temperature? Why is he the authority on what it feels like? You know, there's, there's probably a calculation to it. I don't know, but I know they factor in the relative humidity. And I think because of that, because there's like literally more water droplets in the air, it can be a lot more palpable. you kind of get like that oven feel as opposed to more of like the dry heat that they get out West. For sure. I think that's the one thing Michigan has in common with Florida is that our summers are humid as well. Yeah. And see, that's something that's concerning, right? Because it's humid as hell there. And like, you don't live close to like a massive body of water. Probably, right? Like even the Great Lakes are like, it's not the same as like an ocean or a gulf, right? Like I mean, we definitely have not the same size, but we have five Great Lakes. So that is, I guess, combined. They're, I never even thought to quantify Great Lakes to an ocean. They're pretty big. That's true. I mean, if you're flying over a Great Lake, then I'm sure that's, uh, it's, it's, it looks like an ocean, right? But, but I'm always curious, like in the summer, is it that like landlocked sort of, um, just like really, really like stifled heat that you guys get? Not really. There's some days that hit like a hundred and it's unbearable, but that's like very few. 
Okay. Okay. Never mind then. So it, it sounds like you guys get the reverse effect where like your winters are just like, I mean, abominable, I guess. Yeah. I try to embrace it. I try to act cool and like go out in a t-shirt and get like a hormetic effect from the cold. There you go. Yeah. But it doesn't really work all the time. So I brought you on because I was in, I interviewed Tyler Panzer and I know you worked with him before. And as soon as I interviewed him, your Instagram popped up. And I was looking through it, and you didn't post much at the time. You're posting much more now. But in your tagline, it said, helping busy professionals lose weight, gain energy, get healthier. All dentists and doctors are super busy. And a lot of them reach out to me, and they ask like a foundational question, where do I start? So where do all of us start to start living a healthier life? That's a great question. Um, so yeah, so that that was kind of my first entry into the health coaching world. Um, I actually came from corporate America, so I wanted to really just help out the people that I saw on a day-to-day basis, or just kind of at least that sort of avatar, if that makes sense. And um, I worked in the office, and I, you know, really... I worked in an electrical contractor to begin with, so I saw a lot of people eating, you know, the donuts that all the outside salespeople would bring in. And if you're talking about doctors and doctors' offices, I'm sure it's the same thing. Um, and also would overhear them talking about their health issues. So, going back to your question, it's really a lot simpler than uh, than it may seem, especially because with social media. I feel like what gets more reach and what gets more like of a following and gets more attention altogether are just kind of like these really brand new uh, sort of strategies. So like biohacking is a really big deal. And everybody with that mentality is thinking, okay, I feel X symptoms and, you know, I don't want to take medication. So like what kind of supplements can I do to kind of like supercharge my day, that type of thing. Um, But from my end, I've seen a lot of that stuff backfire on people. So either it doesn't work and they just kind of go back to their old habits or um, it might work for a while, but then actually the symptoms that they were experiencing could get worse. And so um, that, that kind of has like a, just like a, an opposite effect than that they would expect. And so I, I kind of, of the, the philosophy and I, you know, I've seen this work very well, especially with my own health that doing very simple like making very simple changes and making sure that every change results in a, a like a true consistent effort and like a new consistent habit is the most important thing. So somebody with a very busy lifestyle would really benefit from let's say, you know, just sort of either getting like very intentional with their time off, so like spending time in the kitchen more, but doing it in a way that's scalable, right? So, you know, instead of cooking dinner every night, especially for a doctor that can be very tough, maybe either spending a day meal prepping or to make it a lot easier, getting um, signing up to some sort of meal prep service. So that way there's not so much fluctuation in what they eat. That's number one, because there's a huge difference between saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to get healthier and, you know, I'm, I'm going to improve my energy levels, my cognitive function. I'm going to get sick less often and actually implementing that, especially because your mind kind of plays this game with you where you have the intentions of doing it. So you can kind of convince yourself that you're doing more than you're actually doing. So tracking things for a short period of time, I think is very important. Just kind of keeping like a food log. But on top of that, uh, it's yeah, it's it's just important to stay consistent with with whichever plan. But from my perspective, I always start with nutrition, right? Because ultimately, I'd say the one fact about health that we can all really accept at this point, even in 2023, with all these bells and whistles, is that we're going to eat every day until the day we die, probably. And maybe you could say, okay, like maybe you could be a contrarian and say that we're going to fast a little bit along the way, but we're going to eat, right? And so ultimately, busy people tend to eat at restaurants a lot more often, especially maybe a doctor, like, you know, they could be invited out to a free lunch by, you know, some sort of sales rep. And so they're typically going to choose a place that is comfortable and like, you know, maybe where the food is is preferable to the doctor. So that way, you know, the relationship can, can continue, the business relationship. So always definitely start with food. 
and you know consider changing one thing at a time, which is really a, a very scientific process to really make one change at a time to start to understand what needs to like what really needs to be like removed, what doesn't work well uh, within your own nutrition plan, and what does. Let me pull out a few points out of that. You talked about biohacking backfiring. When I was like 22, I thought like Dave Asprey was like the smartest guy in the world. But I feel like now that I'm in mid 30s, biohacking is like a load of bullshit. And I totally agree with you that the more simple measures you take is going to bring you much further than any form of biohacking. So you just mentioned removing stuff. What are some of the things that you would suggest removing from people's diets? Um, well, I can preface that by saying that I have studied sort of the different um, like elimination diets, some of them, you know, more extreme than others. So and I've practiced some of these. So uh, I was vegan for a while, um, vegetarian as well. So kind of, you know, introduced some more of the animal products that I was missing out on because I had nutrition, de uh, nutrient deficiencies. Um, I've done full carnivore. And so I especially since I, I work focused on gut health. Elimin di elimination diets are very common. And so um, because we have to kind of get to the root of what's happening, and so we need to give the gut a break by eliminating foods. Now, from a fat loss perspective, you're going to hear much different uh, opinions from some of the evidence-based kind of like fat loss, like uh, PhD guys, right? Uh, uh, Bill Campbell is one that comes to mind. He's, he's Tampa-based, so he's, he's close by here, so I pay attention to a lot of his work. But back to it... Um, the the main thing that a lot of these diets that you know are, some people consider extreme etc the main thing that they eliminate are processed or manufactured foods the the word processed can be uh, kind of misinterpreted depending on who you talk to because technically like if you like let's say you buy a whole chicken and you chop that thing in half, you've processed the chicken. So that's not the sort of processing that we're talking about. We're talking about a manufacturing process where um, a lot of chemical additives need to be, um, you know, in incorporated into the recipe to, you know, like improve shelf life, to improve color. You'd be you'd be surprised how deep these companies do their research, especially you know the ones that sell processed, manufactured, packaged goods that sit on a shelf for a while. And, and you know, the feedback that they get from, uh, from their customers, the customers want that thing to look exact, the exact same every time they open it, right? Whether it's a protein bar, whether it's like dried fruit, I mean, you name it. And so ultimately, there are a lot of companies that they rely on these chemical additives to preserve the flavor, preserve the color, etc. So that's the number one thing that a lot of these diets cut out. And that's something that's been introduced into our diets over the past, you know, let's say two generations. Prior to that, uh, you could go to certain spots in the world and you wouldn't, you wouldn't even see, you know, um, like a fast food restaurant, let alone a bunch of, you know, pre-processed snacks. The second one being processed grains. So we're talking any, especially the, the high gluten grains. So we're talking about wheat, barley, that sort of thing. So uh, lowering the consumption of bread especially that's probably the main culprit. The next culprit would be pasta. You and I both being Italian, we know that that can be a little bit difficult. Um, even if people don't want to eliminate gluten, lowering the amount, like lowering the consumed amount is important because I do understand that some people have other food sensitivities. So eliminating everything is going to seem, well, it's just going to be very difficult, right? Like the, the, there's going to be a lot of suffering involved and we're trying to minimize that because the idea is give people a starting point that they can say, hey, I've accomplished this thing. I didn't think that I could accomplish it before. And now what's possible after that? Can I, can I you know, add another thing to that? Now that I have this new consistent routine, can I, can I add another element to it that's going to improve my health? That is ultimately what gets the best results with people. Um, this is a personal preference for me, uh, and it's still a bit controversial, but I avoid uh, some of the polyunsaturated fatty acids. So, you know, some of these processed oils as well. I don't do well with them. Every time that I eat fried food or that I consume uh, certain products, like even certain pastries, I, I get kind of like a kind of like a bloating effect and like an indigestion from them. And so canola oil, 
um, vegetable oil, which is usually canola oil. It might be a couple of these, um, you know, these like, uh, like, like, uh, scaled up, like, uh, monocrop seeds that they use. So canola oil is, is called rapeseed. So in certain parts of the world, they have massive fields where they grow this stuff. And so they can sell it at scale. It can be very cheap. It's great for restaurants to buy because restaurants already operate at such a thin profit margin that even for, even for them, I mean, like, you know, recently all the economic issues that we've been having with inflation, you know, even them buying canola oils is still pricey for them. And I, you know, I, I follow along with, with that a lot because I'm also a foodie. So I do like to go to restaurants. Um, so I would say that those are my top three. So manufactured foods, I worked in manufacturing as well. So like, I just understand that the whole idea behind manufacturing has more to do with efficiency and not health. I did not work in food processing, but I can only imagine, you know, I mean, the, just the amount of steps that it takes to create some of these, you know, candy bars and whatever else it may be, even protein bars is way far away from the way that we normally pr produce food in general. Um, uh, I said processed oils and also processed grains. So those three are a huge improvement to anybody's diet if they can choose to actually be consistent with it. So meaning like 90% of how they eat does not include those three components. It's interesting you said that it may be controversial about seed oils. I thought the opposite because I thought seed oils was pretty well agreed upon. They're terrible for you. I thought the gluten thing is more controversial because some people think gluten intolerant is like a load of bullshit, but it seems like everyone agrees that seed oils are terrible for you. Is that different in your experience? Definitely different in my experience. Yeah. Okay. Some of the, um, some of the top, like, um, I guess like figureheads in like the nutrition and fitness space that I still have tremendous respect for, they are still more prone to overlooking that. Um, and they make the argument, actually, a lot of people make the argument about like the polyunsaturated fats. So we have seed oils is one thing. And then we have polyunsaturated fats, which is another thing. And so they're kind of related, but seed oils in general kind of get overlooked. And some people will even say that, you know, polyunsaturated fats contained um, in fish oils are still a problem um, because they're very prone to oxidation. So that's that's the 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 argument here is does so in a long term, you know, long term fashion, do these oils oxidize very quickly in your body and cause free radical production, inflammation, and you know, if if left untouched or unsupervised, you know, eventually cancer because that's the the disease process technically it will usually lead to cancer if not you know the other um, main chronic diseases such as um, cardiovascular disease the leading causes of death right cardiovascular disease diabetes um, so that that's kind of where some people are coming from and what I understand is that you know the a lot of the research a lot of the literature is you know is a very it, like very short term focused so the biochemical pathway that leads to the inflammation um like the inflammatory by byproducts actually takes a lot longer to manifest right so it like it's not, it's being studied in such a short window that they're not they're not studying it long enough to see the negative effects and so that's basically what i know up to this point i and you know I kind of let people make their own decisions, but like in my experience, um, you know, all other things being equal and all other things kind of being in balance, seed oils will screw me up. And I actually had a really, uh, a recent experience with that last summer when I went to Sicily because I was eating so many pastries. I was just like getting my money's worth in terms of like getting those flavors, you know, because like yeah. hard to find that stuff here, right? Like the creams, yeah. like the orange cream, the lemon cream. That stuff is like, I, I have a big sweet tooth, so that stuff is like really top notch for me. And and Italian pastries are second to none, maybe other than like French pastries, right? So, but I started feeling really badly to the point where we were having dinner at a family's house, and I had to like stop eating dinner because I I, I had some pretty serious indigestion going on, which is really not that common for me these days because I've really been practicing these habits for years now in terms of, you know, having my nutrition in place. And so, and I, I'm not, I'm not gluten sensitive. So I was eating a lot of gluten, of course, a lot of good bread, a lot of handmade pasta, you name it. 
I was eating a lot of like, you know, really good meat and fruits and, you know, everything was local. So I'm like, why do I have indigestion? Well, one of the shops that I went to, they listed out the ingredient list of the pastries and they were being made with, with seed oils, essentially with canola oil. Um, and so that's really when I started to kind of like connect the dots, even to my past when, you know, I was a full-time musician and it was very common for me to eat a meal at three o'clock in the morning at, you know, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Crystal Burger, you know, all the uh, Whataburger, those kind of places, like after I finished playing, you know, at, at bars and that on a regular basis without cooking, like it would just destroy my gut. Like I would be, you know, I would need like a couple of days to just kind of recover from all of those nights. So it wasn't until I started to kind of meal prep and get those habits in place that all of those problems disappeared. So that's where I come from. And, you know, I, I allow anybody that I work with or speak with to kind of come to their own conclusion on that because they're, you know, the science isn't quite there yet. And, you know, sometimes the science takes years to arrive to these conclusions. So that's where it's kind of, there's still a little bit of gray area. Would you agree that sometimes there's too much reliance on the science and a better way is N equals one. And like you said, you went to Italy ate a bunch of seed oils, you felt like shit, you avoid them. Like you don't have to read 10 research papers to figure that out. You can just kind of see how you feel after you eat. So do you recommend that your clients keep journals or become self-aware about how they feel after they eat? Yeah. So I, I definitely make sure to, that people establish a level of self-awareness so, you know, that they can um, just get an idea uh, that... Well, so that the information is kind of like coming with from within and, and not like from, you know, the the outside world, which has so many opinions that like you'll just think yourself into a corner, especially if you're the type of person to like really care about this stuff. And so like you're very sensitive to other opinions, like you're sensitive to these videos that are saying this sucks, this is bullshit, this is bad for you, et cetera, which, which is very common because that gets a lot of clicks and it gets a lot of, it generates a lot of conversation, whether it's fighting or whether it's just people asking questions, right? So um, yeah, I mean, self-awareness self -awareness is very big and, and you know, I'm not saying that from like a woo-woo perspective, like I don't feel like they need to sit and meditate with their food or anything like that, nothing crazy. But um, to your point, you know, the randomized control trial and, you know, the, the kind of like precipice that like the scientific institutions are sitting on top of, rightfully so in many aspects, don't get me wrong, um, that does cause people to like second think their own, their own thoughts. And, and, and even, you know, we can see recently where there have been like big, I think it was like, you know, like big newspapers or big media organizations publishing articles about the dangers of doing your own research, right? And so, you know, ultimately, I think a lot of these things get confused because yes, I mean, we, we should not rely on randomized control trials to have optimal health. I mean, we, you know, that didn't exist, you know, centuries ago. And there were many people that, you know, were still strong and were able to care for their families and, you know, do everything like that they needed to manage their daily tasks, like farmers, etc. Right. So we've survived without them, especially from a, you know, perspective of like, well, what, what's nature providing us? Like, what can we eat, etc. Right. But at the same time, um, nowadays it's like we just don't live in those types of generations so nowadays people are gonna uh, people are just ex exposed to so much more media so people now are exposed to twitter accounts from these institutions getting people to kind of think twice because well we don't have you know the randomized control trial we don't have the systematic review which is like you know the review of like dozens of papers to come up with like the most statistically significant answer to especially a lot of these like really basic things like does, you know, does this food irritate my system or does it not, right? Like these are very basic questions that I feel like can be sort of overanalyzed um, online. And of course that trickles down to a family that would never even consider, you know, reading these papers. If they read them, they probably wouldn't understand how to interpret the results and the statistics and stuff like that. They don't have access to them and that's not their plan. Like they're, they're not trying to, you know, have a part-time job of being a scientific researcher. Right. And this is where I think, and you talk about this a lot in your threads, this is where I think the tribal mentality comes in diets because tribal thinking always spawns like when you're in fear and like, you got to pick a side, 
Does meat cause cancer or does meat not cause cancer? Is coffee good for you? Is coffee bad for you? Is it keto or is it high carb? And then like once you're in that camp, it just feels safe to double down in that camp. So that's a great point. When you are coaching clients, do any of them come with these tribal ideas? And how are you encouraging them to to trust you? Because like I guess you're not a scientist. You're not a doctor. How do you prove to them that your way of life or eating can make them healthier? That's, you know, it's interesting. And and you say my way of life and, you know, it, it's more, it really has more to do about like their way of life and what works. And so, you know, if there's a particular condition present that they're trying to solve, like I will always kind of relate it back to that and how it applies to them. Um, but ultimately, you know, I can only I can only do so much in that regard. So you know the the other part is just kind of like the more old school approach of just letting them find their way through it, you know. And and I kind of recall like when it came to coaching, I had like a lot to learn because I'm, you know, I was definitely more prone to be somebody who would lecture people for a while, and I learned kind of, I learned how to listen, and I remembered that the things that I appreciated about the people that I love, you know, when I kind of like look back to periods where maybe they were trying to guide me through something and I wasn't paying attention was that like, they let me figure it out on my own. And like, they were just kind of with me through, like through all of those steps, right? Like they just kind of let me trip and fall and they were always there and they, you know, they didn't really judge me for that. And so like, that's kind of, you know, that's the approach that I, that I take with um, the people that I know, the people that I work with, et cetera. And I've had a lot better results. kind of like just let them do their thing. And then they're going to kind of start figuring those things out on their own. And when it comes from their mind, now they're able to like really make that connection and they're able to establish that new habit because they're, they, they were given the space to figure it out. So, um, yeah, but, but one last thing. Yeah. I'm definitely not trying to ever get like bring people into my sphere in terms of like, you know, like get them to adopt my way of thinking it has more to do with kind of like supporting their thought process so that they can make decisions that are good for them on their own. That's a very mature, and I'll get political for a second, libertarian way of thinking. Like you're not trying to be the dictator of their life. It's almost like you're trying to be the scaffold and then their knowledge will slowly build with your guidance, which all your clients should be so grateful that you think that way because that's how you truly provide them value. You're not giving them the fish. You're teaching them how to fish, which is like a lifetime of knowledge after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, um, you know, the way that I'm slowly designing new programs and, you know, like building my business is I, I really want to. I really want to get to a level where I can work with somebody once and they wouldn't want to work with me again. Like that's the goal. Like, Hey, you can go out there and fend for yourself and hopefully you can inspire your family members and, you know, and beyond because of the fact that I, that's what we need personally. Just this is kind of like my own, like under the hood thinking that's what it's going to take for the world to actually achieve a, a, a level of better health. And I understand that this has become a bigger concern to people that were prior to like not as concerned because, you know, we've dealt with like major events now where we're concerned about, you know, hospitals filling up and there being no medical attention available for everybody who needs it. So I feel like the only solution to that is for us to, you know, practice healthy lifestyle habits. And I know that this is actually something that's recommended in the medical literature by medical doctors as well. And so, you know, reading that was also a very like refreshing thing where, you know, many doctors do recommend lifestyle habits. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about big pharma and medications and, you know, how controversial they can be. But like, ultimately, there's a very ethical decision that has to be made there, you know, at large for public health. Well, do we keep these people al alive? Or do we allow them to die in great numbers as well, because of the, the level of chronic disease that we have? So I'm always thinking about like, well, how do we actually make the world healthier so that it's a sustainable place for generations to come? How do we, the cynic in me thinks this, you've heard the term obesogenic environment, right? Yes. I, I think our environment, and I said this before in other podcasts, is designed to make us right now like depressed, poor, sick, fat, stupid, everything. Maybe not conspiracy level, but like the way it's set up. From your perspective, 
how can we, is it human nature to go into being unhealthy or how does everyone make this change to become healthier? Yeah, it's a, a very interesting can of worms topic here. So what's coming to mind right now is what, you know, what you're saying about, um, what is, what was that last point that you made about just like, is it human nature, right? So, yeah. so in my opinion, human nature is one of adaptation and, you know, like from a biological perspective, let's say. So given that we're very good at adapting, it's, it's this double-edged sword. We're very good at adapting to stressors. For instance, like, you know, we, we live in cities now, right? Like we've got cars whizzing by, like there's the dude that's bumping the reggaeton music. There's the guy that's just like, he's got the truck that's like five times the size of everybody else's car. Like you see that a lot in Florida. And this guy's just like barreling down the road, right? So there's, <laughs> and, and then there's like, on top of that, like there's cell phone signals. There's like all the electromagnetic, like the electro smog that they talk about, which these are all like these intense stressors. And look at us, like we're still alive. Like we're having like multiple conversations at the same time. Like, you know, I'm messaging you like on my, you know, on like on FaceTime. And then like we're talking on FaceTime and here we are on the computer, like troubleshooting before we get here, right? So like we can handle all of this information. We can adapt to that. But what we can also adapt to is laying on the couch, smoking too much weed, like going out too much on the weekends and just getting like completely just wrecked, right? Like alcohol, cocaine, like these are all very normal things. And so people adapt to that lifestyle as well. It, 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 I would say like, I'm not as quick to call them all addictions because I feel like, you know, addiction is like a really serious neurological dependence and should be respected as that. Like, like that's a disease, right? But like we, 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 we habitually do these things. Like, you know, many people like they, they're the type of people like they have to be in a group of like 15 friends and they're always going out and doing stuff and they've got the group chat and they've got like, you know, the pictures on Facebook and Instagram and like they're posting all over the place. They've got all this stuff going on and they're like, they're adapted to that. Right. So now it's, is, is that human nature? Of course the human nature is the adaptation though. And so some people are just so well adapted to like laying around on the couch. I worked with people in the corporate setting who were drinking nothing. I'm telling you nothing but coffee and Mountain Dew all day long. You can imagine the level of health issues they had. You know, these are people that also, you know, like um, this one individual I'm thinking of in particular had a horrible cough, like horrible cough all the time because she was smoking cigarettes as well. And so that was the adaptation. And getting out of that adaptation is really, really tough. Some of us, you know, adapt so much. I, I'm, I'm kind of working myself out of this, like in fitness wise. I'm just so well adapted to sitting at the computer and just working, man. You know, and I could like sun up, sun down. Like I could just be reading, watching videos, like sharing memes, all that kind of stuff, right? So that got to the point where I had like, I stood up one day, I was playing soccer and my groin gave out. And I was like, uh-oh, you know, and I, I had to go to like, I mean, I had like multiple, you know, like uh, rehabilitative appointments for all that kind of stuff. I'm like, how am I going to get myself out of pain? And I remember the guy, he was, he was like making fun of me because I, I developed a really great relationship with this neuromuscular therapist. He's doing like the little, you know, the, the little pulsing, um, it's like a pulse wave uh, mo modulation like device that like they stick on with sponges and it sends like electrical pulses through, you know, like to kind of um, help with your knots and like help just kind of rebalance your muscles and all that kind of stuff. I had serious back pain and he was like, he's massaging me one day. He's like, yeah, man, you know, I I'm here. I am telling one of my colleagues that's like, I'm working with this guy. It's like, he can't, he can't handle this pain, but like he can't get off his ass. You know what I mean? And he was right. He was talking about me and we, we had that kind of joking relationship. So it was cool. But that was the adaptation that I had. And so I had to break out of that by just going on walks, like doing whatever it took to break out of that adaptation. And now I'm at a point, like a lot of people will say, where it's like you have you get that itch. You have now you have this urge to express your healthiest self, right? Like or to express, you know, kind of like better habits. And so now I'm at the point where if I don't go to the gym, something feels off from my day. You know, or if I don't go on a nice walk, I'm like, damn, like I missed, I missed a walk today. You know what I mean? And so you also said one other thing like that, you know, society is designed this way. And even though society may be designed this way, I know that you might not, well, you may or may not believe this, but like, I don't believe that society was designed to like hold us back. I just think that the way that society designed is designed is also a byproduct of kind of like our behaviors. Like, I, I mean, I can tell you this from an entrepreneurial perspective. Good entrepreneurs, what do they do? They, 
they solve problems that exist out there. They, they, they are obsessed with looking for problems to solve the problems that real people have, right? Because then they can, de they can design a product or a service to solve that problem. So what happens is when you have people that are so adapted to sitting on the couch, well, don't you think that there's going to be, you know, I mean, we've seen it. Companies like Netflix are like, hold, hold on a second. Like, I can just make more shows. They didn't used to do this before, right? The platform was just movies and all that kind of stuff, all the old movies and TV shows. But now they're like, oh, hey, I can design really like catchy and what do you call it? Like kind of like, you know, um, binge worthy shows binge worthy, yep. because people want this. Like they, they're, they're reading data to do this because entrepreneurs without data, they're not going to do the things that they do. Like they're just not going to, like they're very efficient with, you know, spending money and resources and stuff like that. But if the adaptation is there, then there it is. There's that, that's where the money's going to flow. And so, this is also why we have a lot of the convenience foods that we have, right? Oh, well, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of housewives that, you know, they would rather like, I don't know, get margaritas and pick up the kids, whatever it is, you know, maybe not in that order, right? But so what can I do? Well, let's, let me design, you know, like dinners that are just like frozen and like they're easy to just pop in the oven. So mom is only going to take 20 minutes to get dinner ready for the family, right? Those are adaptations. That's so, so anyway. interesting you brought up that Netflix thing because here's what I'm thinking. You explained it this way. Netflix saw a problem. The problem is you're sitting on a couch and you're running out of binge-worthy shows. Make more of those. When I see that, and maybe you too, the problem I think is you're on the couch. The solution is to get you off. But it seems like you'll make more money if you help direct people into the least path of resistance of course yeah i mean the, the the money comes from so they 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 some people will say this money loves speed right and so if you can access something faster if something saves you some sort of effort then then you know like you're willing to spend money on it right that's the theory and it's very very true i i do this all the time but it's a matter of you know assessing like for, for the individual who has these adaptations, who has these habits, it's a matter for them to assess, well, is this, you know, the healthiest choice given that I have health, um, objectives, given that I have a goal, people that don't have health goals, like there's, we can't just like grab them by the throat and say, do this, do that. Like you're, don't you see what you're doing to yourself? That just, it's not the way that's never worked. It's almost like Newton's third law at that point. Like you're going to get an equal and opposite reaction, right? So like people are just going to, like they're going to be more prone to not listening to you because you're a pest. And so, and I've, I've had this experience. I, I'm speaking from experience because, you know, I, I definitely, um, anytime I feel like people learn something new and definitely in my case, like you want to share it with the people you love and you want to get them on board with it and all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't work. And so like, yeah, I, I definitely see the fact that, you know, and that might not even be Netflix's like objective. Like maybe they're not trying to, you know, make a binge worthy show as much as, well, they see that like, you know, they're solving a problem because like people like cable doesn't have like all these movies and things and shows on demand. So like, it's just, it's on demand. Right. And like, and you know, you don't have to wait for the next, you know, week or like you don't have to watch a bunch of commercials in order to just like watch the shit you want to do. So technically it's more efficient in that, in that aspect. Right. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, I see it similarly to how you do, but there has to be a way for the individual to start to appreciate that one decision for them, for their goals is, you know, is, is better or worse. Right. So I'm not even knocking like watching Netflix. I mean, sometimes, you know, like it's, it's, I mean, you, you, you talk about like your audience being a lot of doctors, like they work a lot. They're actually very productive people. So maybe they could use maybe a glass of wine at night and, you know, maybe a Netflix show with the wife or by themselves or whatever, just to kind of like ease up from life, you know? So it, it all does depend, um, on that kind of, on, on the goal at hand and, you know, making sure that like those habits are kind of kept in check. So like, you know, doing it every night, like on a work week, like maybe that helps you relax, but like, are you going to do that on sa a Saturday morning when the sun's shining outside and you could be out going for a walk or like you could take a quick trip to the gym. That's only going to last you an hour anyway. Right. That's so interesting. If I'm paraphrasing correctly, it seems like a lot of these adaptations are 
our propensity for least path of resistance. And it seems like a healthy life is most of the time a greater path, a temporary greater path of resistance, but being healthy long-term is actually a least path of resistance. If we get into your thinking process, how are you personally choosing the healthy choice over the unhealthy choice, like when you're tired or you're stressed or do you have a propensity to overeat? Because when I come home and I'm stressed, I'll eat like a bag of Doritos. I'm like, shit, I'm supposed to be on the carnivore diet. How, what right. are you? What mental things are you going through to make the healthy choice? Yeah, good question. So, uh, so I, I used to work in quality control. Um, so I spent five years in corporate America, and like most of the time, I was doing like project related, like quality control. Okay, whether it was in construction or manufacturing. And so there's a saying in quality control, it's, you know, it's very simple. It says, pay me now or pay me later. And essentially, in quality, especially if you let defects, and if you let kind of like these discrepancies build up, you're going to end up with like a really big problem on your hands. And so that problem usually has like a, a price tag in like the, you know, what in the six or seven figures, right? Because there are penalties involved with Things not shipping on time, things not being delivered on time, products, construction, et cetera. And so I look at it in the same way. So either, either I pay now and I take like, let's say go to the gym. There's plenty of days where like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And trust me, dude, I'm not like the most jacked guy. Like I spent a lot of time, you know, like kind of slowly overcoming some of these issues that I got myself into from avoiding it to begin with, right? So the pain that built up, I just kind of have like the experience now to know that when pain builds up, it's so much more difficult to manage and it can even stop you dead in your tracks if it's bad enough, right? And this this can happen, you know, like like internally, right? Like at the physiological level. So like with gut issues or, you know, whatever kind of chronic illness that people develop, or it can even just happen like more at the biomechanical level, like, you know, the muscles and the structure of the body, like, oh man, like my hip is tight. So like, you know, I can't, I can't run because like my hips hurting. Right. So to me, the pain that accumulates is much greater, always much greater through my experience than it is to just take the pain of just saying, ah, shit, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to the gym. It's going to hurt today. But tomorrow it's going to hurt a little less. And then the next day it's going to hurt a little less. And the same thing happened to me with nutrition. I, 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 did, I had like a really like rough path toward good nutrition because I went from doing whatever, eating whatever, um, you know, like, dude, Popeye's, like I said, Popeye's, Whataburger. Um, I love that. I would go to like restaurants like Maggiano's. Like these, these are garbage restaurants. Wait, that's man. in Florida too? Maggiano's? Yeah, that's like a massive chain. Like oh, it's I like know. Outback Steakhouse. Okay, there's one in Michigan. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. That they're they're like the big companies, like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, all these big, big, big people, right? You know, they're getting their food off of like these massive Cisco trucks, right? And like a lot of stuff's coming in cans, et cetera. Everybody pays an arm and a leg for all that stuff. That's the funny part. Yeah. But that's a whole we could do a whole show about agriculture and food production for sure. But anyway, so back to the point. I went from eating whatever, doing whatever, feeling like shit most times, eating way too late. I, dude, I'm being Italian. Like I could eat dinner at 10 PM and just like, you know, yeah. have a massive dinner. It's just, that's just part of the culture. It's how I grew up. I always ate very late dinners. So, um, yeah, man, I, you know, I went from that to like vegan, like, and I didn't, I, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Cause like I was eating stupid stuff, dude. I was eating, like I was barely eating number one. That was the first mistake that I made. Cause like anytime anybody switches like a diet, they should still keep their calories in check. Otherwise, like, you know, that they're starving themselves and it is very unpleasant. So like, I'm eating like an avocado for breakfast, <laughs> That's shit <it>. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I was doing like really intense water fasting. Um, so I would like water fast for five days. Um, I did some other five crazy days, five days. Yeah. Wow. And, and yeah, dude. Um, that's, that's some serious stuff. So I went, I was following the, um, primarily the, the work of this guy named, Robert Morse. He goes by Dr. Robert Morse and he's actually not a real doctor. He's like, he got like some sort of honorary, like ND like degree or something like that. Just because like this guy was, I mean, he was, he has a lot of knowledge about herbs and like, he, he's one of like the fruitarian guys. Like he's, he's the big fruitarian guy. He, he can, he 
claims that human beings are frugivores. So like, like we are basically designed to eat primarily fruit and then herbs. And like, and you know, so, so, so through him, I learned about a grape juice fast. I learned about water fasting. I learned about all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I was eating very little and, and here, so remember how at the beginning of this conversation, I told you that there's a big difference between how you think you're acting with your health and like how you're actually doing it. So it's very important to document even for a short period of time. Now, given that your audience is doctors, like they are master documenters, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, that's what you would you know, think, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, I, I always expect doctors to be like this upper echelon of like, you know, very productive and, you know put together, well put together people, at least mentally. All right. So <laughs> given that I'm, I'm wrong about that, um, I will say that, you know, I, in my head, I start, I had this idea, like I'm doing great. Right. But so that's expectation versus reality. So I wasn't, I wasn't doing great at all. This is what I was doing. I was eating like the same food all the time. I would make this dish called kitchery, which is like this, um, like Ayurvedic dish. So Ayurveda is the, you know, medicinal system that existed thousands of years before traditional medicine in India and that part of the world. Um, if it, if it was even called India back then. And so it's basically just like rice, um, mung beans like shelled mung beans like that are split and like a bunch of spices some ghee and that's it and so like it's supposed to be a dish that you eat when you're when you're uh, doing what they call panchakarma which is like this cleanse that they do um in which they do a lot of really intense stuff like you know there's like a lot of purging involved so like you take like substances that make you you know like throw up a lot. And I, I don't know if there's like a, you know, like a, like a diarrhea component to it. I don't want to know. It's a little bit extreme for me. And that's something that you want to be supervised by like an Ayurvedic practitioner. And, um, so I would basically just eat that like sometimes twice a day, three times a day, I would go home and try and make like this really elaborate, like, um, vegetarian dinner. And so like, dude, it, I was so disorganized with it. I had no idea what I was doing. This is about six years ago. And I was exhausted. And I, w I really wasn't feeling well, because I was eating a lot of lentils. And you know, I didn't really assess my gut issues before that. And I've had gut issues since I was 18, because I took Accutane and it like, nearly like, nearly like burnt, like, uh, you know, it caused like a lesion in my esophagus um, from basically taking it and going to sleep like because they said take it like at night and so i'm thinking like as a you know 15 16 year old kid like take it before you go to sleep you know instead of like take it at night let it sit like there, there weren't a lot of instructions there so i nearly like literally like burnt a hole in my esophagus or like at least a, a lesion because the the it was such a corrosive medication um and so anyway back to it and so then I think it's okay to start doing like this water fasting, you know, like a lot of this stuff. Honestly, the fasting was helping me because I was eating so many beans, so many lentils, especially because I, I, there was like an Ethiopian place close by. So I used to go there a lot and I would have like a food hangover the next day from this. Like I would be so bloated. I'd be like on the toilet for like the first half hour I was awake, just like getting rid of all that crap. And like, um, it was rough, man. It was rough. And so I get to the point where like, you know, I'm doing water fasting, doing all this extreme stuff only to really learn that if I would have just taken a gradual approach that I would have been much better off for it. If I would have just documented, I would have really been able to kind of like gradually get to a place of better health instead of just kind of like really forcing myself into it. But thanks to that experience, I kind of learned who was who, and I kind of had enough extreme experience to know, to be able to just really interpret what I was seeing online. Like, wow, some of these people, like, I mean, I don't want to wish bad on, on them in particular, but like, if, if enough attention was directed toward them, they could get in really big trouble for what they do because they run some very, very um, extreme cleanses. Um, you know, and they're justifying it with like kind of more of like this woo woo. It's like the bro science of like the, like the people that like want to get well, like the natural world, you know, like the naturalist people and like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not for everybody. And, and so, you know, having seen those extremes, it's very easy and I'm very confident in just kind of directing people with more of a stepwise approach that can actually be more sustainable over time. Do you think those natural people who that think we're fruititarians or do like a 30 day water fast, 
Do you think they're scamming people or do you think they actually think this is a healthy way to live? Because that, that Morse guy, I don't know who that is, but if he's not any form of doctor and calls himself a doctor, either he's a level of narcissist that thinks he's a doctor or he's truly scamming people. That's a great question, dude. That's, that's the hard part, man. Like, I think that's why these people stay in business because it's like, I mean, who am I to like, you know, start investigating on this guy and like, you know, I mean, I think if I go deep enough, like you could consider that defamation really. And so like, um, it's not really my place to say whether people are scamming somebody or not. And I think that this is where like the evidence-based people, like they're kind of out of pocket as well. They just want to call everybody grifters and scammers. I don't agree with that. But what I will say is that I think that those people are knowledgeable to an extent and that they, you know, like, especially with Robert, with Robert Morris, I, I have to like call him by his name and not say doctor because like, I literally have the guy's book says Dr. Robert Morris, um, very knowledgeable about plants, herbs, you know, the, the medicinal qualities of herbs, because ultimately, I mean, that's where pharmaceuticals come from anyway. And, you know, they know how to work with these things. They know how to formulate them and they might, you know, even be like a clinical herbalist or something like that. Right. And, but doctor, it's a little extreme. There was also another guy, his real name is Alfredo Bowman, but he went by Dr. Sebi, very similar. And so I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they probably saw remarkable results in their clients. What drew me to Dr. Robert Morse is reading like the intro to his book where he's talking about, you know, having... Um, having clients that like, I mean, overcame some like really terminal level illnesses, like, like, you know, the doctor said, Hey, you're this, you've got two weeks and, you know, like serious stomach cancer, you know, metastasis, all this kind of stuff. And then they come to him and like, you know, they do these herbal cleanses and, you know, like pretty much eat only fruit and then they're able to recover from that. And so, but ultimately like, it's just really tough, man, because like, you have all the institutions that kind of get in the way. Like if, if I were like the FDA or, or whoever else, I would go and talk to this person and say like, what are you doing that our system is not? And like, what can we learn from you if it's really true? Or maybe they just, maybe they discover that the guy is a scammer and then they put him behind bars. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like, ultimately, um, I have at least enough curiosity to say, something is going right because like people keep going back. Like th these people like built real businesses. Now I will refute forever that these people are actual doctors. And I think that that's got this, that's where the scammy sort of like uh, connotation comes from. But I've always been curious, like some people have like a ridiculous amount of like clients. Like some people have built like these really massive enterprises out of what they do, whether it's extreme or not. So like, I want to know, like, what's working and what's not. I just don't like the way that they're marketed. There's another guy that like is like a Dr. Sebi guy. Like he, I guess he like learned a lot from Dr. Sebi and he like, he, um, on his, I remember on his bio, I used to follow this guy. He took on like some African name too, like to like, you know, like represent his heritage and stuff, which I think that's great. But like the guy called himself a certified biochemist. Like what the fuck is a certified biochemist? You know what I mean? Like, dude, and people believe that stuff. Like that's the part where I'm just like, why do you have to do that? Like, why can't you just call yourself a practitioner? Like, why, why does it have, why do you have to go out on a limb and say things like certified biochemist? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, do you have a PhD in biochemistry? Like, where are the biochemistry certifications? And I'm sure that like, I could show, I could talk to like a couple of my buddies that are actual like chemists and they'd probably laugh at me, you know, they'd probably laugh at that. So that's the part where I'd, I'd like to figure it out. I honestly will, will say this about fasting though. I, I don't want to knock fasting. Some people don't ever want to do it and that's fine. But for the people that do want to fast, you have to understand that the fast is not just like, like not eating. You know what I mean? Like when you do that, you're putting a massive stress on your body. You're already living in a, in a stressed environment. Like there's all these layers to health, right? And the, the, you know, the fancy term is multifactorial, right? Like there's all these factors that go into overall health. And so at rest, right? Like currently, if you live in any city or remotely close to any city, then you're experiencing a lot of environmental stress. Like you're breathing in heavy metals from like car exhaust. That's it's getting on your skin. It's getting all over your face. You know, 2020 taught us about aerosolized particles and how particles travel everywhere and stuff like that. We've been living in that. You can just walk down the street and like, if, if you really just pay attention, you can smell that. On top of that, 
all of the scents, all of the, you know, um, like fragrances that we use to make our house smell pretty and, you know, the gain and the, you know, the, the tide and Febreze and all this kind of stuff, right? So like at rest, if you fast, you still have this, like this burden, like this burden of stressors that are affecting you. You're probably going to keep your Wi-Fi on, that kind of stuff. So the most important thing to know when fasting is that it's also good to fast from those kind of things. Fasting is not just about eating. It's about removing things from your life for a period of time. And that's why one thing I do respect about, I know like Dr. Sebi had one, Alfredo Bowman, excuse me. He had like a retreat center and it was like out in like Honduras or something, you know, like going to these, like going to a place outside of the city, like a more natural where like, you're not like, you don't have your phone there. Like you're not talking to people all day. Like that, that, needs to be included in the fast and if you are going to do like a 24-hour fast at the very least know that like you probably shouldn't go to work that day you probably shouldn't turn on the tv you definitely shouldn't you know like get on social media and like you know have all these differing opinions thrown at you because your nervous system's reacting to that so how if you yeah like or how effective is a fast going to be if you still have those other stressors like your immune system's active your um your nervous system's active. It's important to give to take a break from all that. Then fasting makes a lot of sense. So when I did it for five days, I did go to work. I you know spent time with my girlfriend. I sat at a restaurant with her while she ate. Like that was not good for the fast. I was very stressed. Like it made me hungry. You know, especially because like I had been fasting for like three days already. Last thing I'll say about fasting is that I've noticed because I've only done it a couple of times. I'm, this is something that like I would if anybody were to ask my opinion, I would say like once a year max for something like that, just because of the level of stress that we have in the world. Maybe like a 24 hour fast every quarter. Some people recommend these things every week. I think that that's excessive. Um, but, you know. Yeah, so that that's that's basically my, my take on fasting anyway. I, it's important to really just separate yourself from more than just food. It's the things that stress you out. It's the things that keep you in the fight or flight response. It's the things that keep you like overactive and that prevent you from just relaxing and just like being a human for once, you know? I'm like, if I'm fasting right now, I'm probably at like 22 hours right now. That's such a good point. If fasting puts you into chronic stress, it's actually causing more harm. And I worked all day. I saw patients. I put Wi-Fi in my brain. I looked at social media. I watched a video by Alex Jones. So everything about me like stressed me out today. And I'm fasting too. I I would love to explore that further. But Steph, we're coming up on the hour mark. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to tell you. We're doing a part two for sure. We like just love scra- to. just scratched the surface. I always ask a couple of questions at the end. First one. Sure. What is one takeaway? you want the audience to have from this interview? Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, so one thing at a time, one thing at a time. I mean, th- we, we live in a world where we expect there to be like this new secret, right? Like, oh, I was just, I just didn't take that supplement or I just like didn't buy that device. One thing at a time. And, you know, where I start with is always food and just because that's like the number one input, especially with how much I eat every day. That's the number one thing that you can change without changing anything else. Because if you try to change multiple things at once, now it's going to feel like, whoa, 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 like I'm losing control and we don't like losing control. So what ends up happening is we kind of just like relapse into these habits. And that's only if you actually want this stuff, you know, like if don't, don't feel like you have to like join the crowd to like, you know, because everybody's getting healthy, I need to do it too. No, if, if you actually feel compelled to, you know, like if you, if you have a vision for yourself that is healthier than where you're at right now, that's where this is relevant to you. But otherwise, just continue living and try and find, you know, like just meaning in life. If, you know, if, 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 if things get boring for you every now and then. My biggest takeaway, I'm going to go home and like meditate on this. When you said, pay me now or pay me later. That's like, the crux of all, like, I think all humans struggle with that because people say, no, pay me now because life is short. And if I die in two weeks, I want to eat pastries now. And you could say, well, we don't know, but if you do pay me now too much, you are going to die in two weeks because your foot's going to fall off because you're diabetic. So before we close this out, tell people where they can find you, your social media and how they can work with you. 
Absolutely. So, um, social media at Biostef on Instagram. I'm I'm solely working on Instagram now, just because like there's too many platforms out there to manage. Overwhelming. Too many. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's S T E F. By the way, Biostef. That's my main social media page. And you can just send me a DM. I'll, I'm actually going to be launching a program that's focused on gut health very soon. Um, but in the meantime, any questions or even just inquiries to work together, you can just DM me on Biostef and I'm on there every day. I love it. And you're posting threads. I read them all the time. They're such good information. I love it. So Steph, I oh, really appreciate you, your time and I'll get you on for a part two. Love it. Thanks, Vince. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later.